Welcome back to Mostly Banter, the place where conversations meet insight. Today, we're sitting down with the multi-talented Amy Sherry. From culinary beginnings to the forefront of interior design, Amy's journey is a masterclass in creativity and adaptation. Get ready for an episode packed with stories, tips, and maybe a little banter along the way. Let's dive in. Located at 303 North Crescent Drive, Beverly Hills Market and Deli isn't just a market, it's a Beverly Hills institution. Family owned for over 30 years, they've been serving our community with a personal touch that's as unique as Beverly Hills itself. Their commitment to quality shines through in every aisle, from the freshest produce to exquisite wine and cheese selection. If you really want to be Beverly Hills, shop at Beverly Hills Market. Let's talk about their deli. Whether you're in the mood for a classic sandwich or something a little bit more gourmet, their deli offers a variety of delicious, freshly prepared options. It's the perfect spot for a quick lunch or to pick up something special for dinner. For our Mostly Banter listeners, Beverly Hills Market is giving a free drink with the purchase of any sandwich for those who mention Mostly Banter to anyone. Plus, for those busy days, Beverly Hills Market and Deli offers home delivery and catering services. They even custom order products to meet your specific needs. It's the level of service that really makes them stand out. So, whether you're a longtime resident or just visiting, make Beverly Hills Market and Deli your next stop for all things delicious. They're more than just a market. They're part of our Beverly Hills family. Visit them at 303 North Crescent Drive or check them out on their website for more details. Well, welcome Amy Sherry today to the Mostly Banter podcast. Um, Amy is a interior designer, I believe. Yes. She is a Rotarian she is a very well-known person in Beverly Hills. She works on campaigns. She's a good person. I know her fairly well, but we'll learn a lot about you today. So welcome, Amy. How are you? Good. Thank you. Excited to be here back at my alma mater. Oh, and I, I forgot that, and I forgot you're a Beverly Hills High School parent. Yes. And we are at the Beverly Hills studio, podcast studio. Uh, I don't know if we've officially named it yet. There'll be a dedication. There'll be a name to it. Um, but it's great and welcome to, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Michael. So why, how'd you get here? Well, I got a lovely text from Colby inviting me over to the studio to be on the podcast, which I'm so thrilled about. I am an avid listener and I've been listening since you've launched. Which so. was the best episode? I'll call you out on, I'll throw the, the flag if it's a BS flag. Is it, what, what was your favorite episode? Um, what was my favorite episode? I like Charles that I just listened to. I liked uh, Nissim's episode. Um, who else did I hear? Mary's, which was the first. Uh, Julian's, Miles. I've listened I, to a bunch. You li- and, and But I said, which was your favorite? Thanks for the plug for naming Miles and, and Offer Nissenbaum <laughs> and all the different people we've done. They're, they've all been great. Everyone has been great. Um which one was your favorite? I'm not sure that I had a favorite. I think what you do so great is you sort of have these conv- casual conversations with people. So I really get to learn details about people that I've known for so long. But, 
you know, you had no idea. Yeah, I didn't really know like their path. I just yeah. know them, let's say, as adults. I like Keith Sterling's. Like, it's not my favorite, but it's one of my I favorites. Like and Sterling. the reason is, is like Keith is in this, been in this business for a long time. He started, as you now know, because you've listened to the podcast in television news anchoring yeah. um, as an anchor. Um, and he looked it down and he goes, we talked for an hour. <laughs> it went by like so quick. And that's that's fun because Keith's in, in, in the government branch, which I want to do. I also want to do with the business branch and commerce and people. So you know what the stories are of people in different businesses. You know, it's like we know, you know, people that are dentists. I want to get dentists on. You'll get to know them. Why did you choose dentistry? Mm-hmm. Why oral surgery? Why this? You know, and then we'll get people on like that. I, I want people, like I was telling you earlier, um, I want people that are ch- workers in Beverly Hills because it bonds the community. So it's fun. So back to my question, how'd you get here? Where'd you grow up? You went to Beverly Hills High School. Where'd I, you grow up? I grew up a few blocks away in Beverly Hills, um, born and raised, uh, left for a bit for college, but decided to come back. Where'd we go to college? We went to Santa Barbara. Okay. UC Santa Gaucho. Barbara. Mm-hmm. Do we have siblings? We're from a large family, small family? I have one sister who also lives in Los Angeles in the Valley. Nice. Uh, she also went to Beverly. And my two parents who are still here, thank God. Awesome. Yeah. So you go to Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. What do you want to be when you're in Santa Barbara? What do you want to do? So for me growing up, I was very much a social girl. My life was full of friends. You know that could go two ways, right? <laughs> well, actually, more than two ways. But let's let's keep it like you know fun. Okay, yeah. so so I just loved being with my friends. School was great, but it was a pathway that I could hang out with people and just chit chat all day long. So in terms, did they teach you anything in school? I'm sure they did. No, but I mean that, that you really go. Oh, this is really cool that I learn. I I can't wait to learn about you know uh, acoustics or uh, history. I mean, I think we had like fun electives that I was really into. So whether it be when I was at El Rodeo, we had um, cooking, which I you know that was sort of one of my first loves, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, when I came to Beverly, I really loved doing fashion merchandising, and I was actually in KBEV. They had a DJ station, and we had a radio station uh, back in the 90s to age myself. But uh, I DJed with friends, you know, in the afternoon, and that was super fun. I loved the so woodworking let's, class. Let's delve into that, because like I said, this can go anywhere. We don't mm-hmm. have an agenda. I've, I've shown you my blank piece of paper. We, we can go anywhere. So in a, in a strange way, it's a little like me. I, I When I was in high school, um, they didn't really connect with me to teach me something like, okay, you got to take Spanish. All right, I'll take Spanish. But I'm not looking to learn Spanish or you got to take chemistry. I'm not looking to be a doctor. I don't want to. So it didn't really connect. And I gave the teachers what they wanted. Okay, I'll do the work that you're telling me I have to do to get the grade. Mm -hmm. And I I think I shared with you in, in a past conversation when I was in junior high school, we had shop classes, mm-hmm. and the boys would have metal shop and wood shop and electric shop, and those were kind of like your choices. And if you fell in love with one, you could take more than, you know, the, instead of the introductory two, you could take the second one and the third one um, each year. And my oldest friend in the world named Ron, Ronnie, um, we sort of outsmarted it in that 
we were a part of the A6-B6 deal, right? I don't know if you know what that was. Well, they broke the years up of when kids admitted school um, when they were, and you had a A6 and a B6, an A5 and a B5, and you started in the spring or you started in the fall. Um, anyways, long story. I probably have repeated this story on, on air before. We took a class they offered, they called it home economics for the girls, but no boy would want to take a class called home economics. I mean, it's a completely different world. So they called it boys' food. It was the greatest. They taught, they, they, they made a grave mistake. They taught me and my friend Ronnie and a dozen other boys, there was probably 15, 18 kids in the class, how to bake. Mm. So they taught us how to bake cakes. So all you peasants, go buy your chocolate bars I get half a cake. You know, I can <laughs> nice. make and eat half a cake. And it was really, really fun. And I felt that the accoutrements in education really were what sort of were fun and those caught my attention. Journalism caught my attention. Broadcasting caught my attention. Business caught my attention. All of those different things. But you're not teaching me that in high school. You're teaching me things that okay, I know I need to get there, but I kind of know all of this. Well, I think that's the beauty of Beverly, and I was saying that earlier to Colby, is that while we are a public school, we have all the offerings of private schools. And eh, I won't say all. Okay, but oh, this, I won't give you all. this is an exceptional place in that, yeah, that if you seek it out and you find something that you are interested in... They're going to get it. Go for it. Yeah. You got it all here. Well, where it is similar to private school, and I, I say that not in any elitist mm -hmm. standpoint, but um, I know the private school system and I know the public school system. I grew up in the public school system and I, my, my children went to private school. Um, and I know them both. This is as close to a private school as you get. And I believe that if a child here at Beverly Hills High School, different than LA Unified, has an interest in something they're going to find a way to make it happen for you, even if you're alone. Even if it means start a club, get five people that are interested in rocketeering. I don't know why that popped into my head. We'll find a way that you can go out onto the field here, and we'll get support for you, and we'll get somebody who can teach you that. You I know? love that. And that the career days and the things that they do here are great. Did you have those when you were here, career day? I don't remember that. But it could have been going on, and I, I didn't really. And you were involved with the social butterflies. I always make a joke. But you know, it's funny because now that I'm thinking about it and talking to you and saying how I was so interested in my social life, you know, it kind of makes sense to me now as an adult because I think one of the things that I value most, Wait, and I an do adult? well. You're, you're an adult? <laughs> hard I, to believe. I'm not, you know? Is I like connecting with people. Yeah. I like talking to people, learning about people. Yeah being with people, and having experiences. And so I think I was kind of always that kind of person. And, you know, it's just... Everything else is a part of the painting, but it's not the focus point of what we're painting yeah. in our lives. Right. Yeah. And, and you go to school... Let's go back to Santa Barbara. So we go to Santa Barbara. What do we study at Santa Barbara? English literature. It's a lot but of... But at the you... same time, like I mentioned earlier, I was really interested in cooking. Okay. And I had a roommate who had a friend who was opening a restaurant, and he said, we're looking for someone to help out in the kitchen. Would you like to come work in the kitchen? And as I often do, I say yes, and I just winged it and learned how to be a sous chef, essentially, in kitchens. So I would go to school during the day at 3 o'clock. I'd show up 
at restaurant and what restaurant. So it's called Emilio's okay. in Santa Barbara. It's pretty well known right across from the harbor. Uh-huh. Now it's called Toma. And uh, I was what they called the garde manger. So you cook hot and cold appetizers and you do desserts. So you're essentially the first one there and the last one to leave. Yep. Um, I know that well. Yep. I know that well in that, you know, similar in that I was, I had, did it, my hand was in everything. I was a musician not a good one, but a musician. And I took a job at what a restaurant in Westwood called the Great American Food and Beverage Company. Mm-hmm. And it was in the Avco Center. And it was very, very popular. But you couldn't work there unless you could play. Mm-hmm. So I um, was, was very novice at guitar. Um, so I would play. And my position, okay, it's not, to, as a performer, you have to do that. And you have all these intelligent and talented musicians that would play there mine was okay make the salads i'm in the salad section of the kitchen and it's just it's a part of life it's a part of a life experience so you but i i english literature doesn't go very well with food and that with all respect to the great country of england their cuisine eh, doesn't have a lot to be desired you know so so i continued working in the restaurant i actually stayed in santa barbara an extra year after i graduated still working cooking uh, lots of... It was Italian restaurant? Yeah. Lots of cuts and burns and thought, you know, not sure I want to... This is the life for me. But I love the food world. I'm very interested in, in culinary and what can I do next? I moved back to Los Angeles. I came in contact with a friend of mine from high school who had a little bakery business. And so... She and I got together, Jenna Bakes and Amy too, and there you go. For the next year, we were baking cookies and brownies and pies. And in a also, commercial kitchen? Or? Nope, at home. Wow. And we had a lot of community members, and we would sell to Universal Commissary, and we did all these gift baskets, and it was super fun and short-lived. Yeah. So that was that. Well, sorry it was short-lived because it sounded like you liked it. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun, and I got to work with a friend, and that was great. And I think, what were we, 23 at the time? Well, again, uh, somebody would say, you and I talked about this previously. It's like, okay, what's the business plan? Right. Uh, there was none. Uh, there isn't one. <laughs> uh, you told me. I go, wait, it's great that you love what you do. It's awesome, but you need a business plan. What's right. the business plan? How many do we want to sell? How much does this cost? And I, and I asked you that, and you went, uh. <laughs> no plan. That, because that you're into the quality of the product and making people comfortable and happy and giving them what they want but you are talented at that i mean i I, what did you send me you you sent me out with something i i don't eat granola that was a granola and it was incredible it was incredible looking i didn't eat it but i handed it to somebody and they went oh it's granola you know great you know (laughs) but it's it's it seems like that's in your blood and that's in your passion yeah i would call myself a creative entrepreneur. I've done many things in my professional life. Uh, I have a lot of interests and things that I do that fill me up creatively. And I think that sort of is part of the makeup of me and what makes me happy and who I am. So I observe you as very like you you touch people's senses. You Mm -hmm. want them to taste and you want them to visually be tasting with their eyes with design and things of that nature so i'm not trying to take it toward the mm-hmm. conversation towards that but it just seems, you strike me as that's kind of at, at core who you are yes agreed yes okay so we get out of college we have a short-lived career sort of just basically 
the food business and the culinary world ran its course. I tried, you know, a few different areas of it. And I it was you fine. Could, you'd and be so great, and what it blew up into, you would have been one of the producers of one if you had had really. Well, it's funny now to. that it's circled back. Yeah, and here I am with this little granola business, which who knows what will happen. Yeah, I mean, I but, look at the cooking network shows, and yeah. you look at how people watch these, and then there's competitions in these types of things, and all of those. Your your flavors, your your personality would would certainly suit well into that. But it's the book outliers would sort of teach us the times. You know, are, you're born too early type yes. of a thing into that, yeah. or too late. You know, one or the other. You could pick which one. But it's interesting where food is a sales piece is. It's not just go to the restaurant, get Italian food. Everything is a presentation. It is a tough business in any part of it, whether you're on the restaurant side or just having a food product. I mean, going to the fancy food shows, really trying to, you know, sell your product, get it into stores. It is tough. It is really hard to make it. And there's so many amazing millions of products out there and yeah. it, it's really tough. So yeah, it's, it's a challenge and I respect anybody really giving it the go and giving it the fight. Yeah. Um, Noah, uh, mm-hmm. Sharona's son, he started a food business and I was talking of all things at lunch with my wife about it. It's very challenging, you know, but he's just doing his thing and he'll fight through it and he'll, he'll make it a success. But sometimes you really have to push, 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 push and believe in your product, which I believe he does. Um, No one is Arian is who we're talking about. And that product, if the market says, well, we like it, but we don't love it. He's going to work at it, and he never gets the fulfillment of seeing it to where he might want it to be unless he evolves, which he does. I'm not saying he won't. I'm not, there's no negative on the product. I, li- I don't eat the product. As you know, I'm not a granola person. Yeah. I eat very strangely, and I don't eat snacky foods. But the product is about branding. It's about marketing. It's about getting on a shelf, and then the market's going to tell you what it is. Sometimes the market misses. You end up on the bottom shelf of Whole Foods selling a product. Let's pick on one. Pick on uh, a product. Nuts. Okay, we're going to make nuts. Okay, and we're going to make a what? What like a trail mix? We're making Amy's trail mix here. Here we go. We're going to take nuts, and we end up on the bottom shelf. It could be truly great. But unless it had a celebrity that fell in love with it or somebody on the social media world, how is it really going to reach people? Well, that's the key thing now, at least for my generation, I'd say, um, and even older, is that, you know, no one ever taught us this part, yeah. the, the social media phenomenon. And those who are coming up exist. now, right? For me, it didn't exist. Yeah. And that is literally another job. You know, we know how to make the product and and put it in a package, but that is a whole other animal, and that can make or break you. Well, social media, I finally have come to the conclusion it's a medium just like television is. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to sell, hey, let's make a business plan. Here's a model. We're making uh, Amy's granola. We, we, we got it down efficiently. Here's how much it costs per bag. We have all of our numbers. Let's uh, run an ad on television. And let's run an ad during, not the Super Bowl, 
but we're going to run an ad during a sporting event because that's when people might want to munch on granola. Okay. And we're going to do, and we have all of this budgeted and now we're going to sell X or we're not going to sell X and we'll know based upon, we need to cut our advertising dollars or we need to increase it, but that's in television. We could also go radio. Okay. We could also go podcast. Okay. We could also, which is a, a new medium, mm-hmm. but social media is sort of the young version of what I grew up with, with television. Hey, if the baseball player wore this kind of a shoe, I want that kind of a shoe. Or if he ate at this restaurant, I want that restaurant. So it's, it's kind of interesting in, in that if you don't understand social media and the power of it, and, or you're choosing to ignore it, you got a problem, yeah. you know? And, and for what you're doing, and our, our, you're much younger than I am, but your age demographic would be is you need to be able to tie the two together if that's the business. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if that's the business. But I don't know that that's the full Amy, you know, because no. the full Amy is also um, interior design. Tell that me about true. How do we get there? Wait, okay, I don't want to. So pa- basically, I exhausted sort of the culinary world. And then I had a friend who came to me and worked at a company called Shabby Chic, which was at that point around for probably 20 years. Um, It's a company that focuses on interiors and Alina home products. Very country, florally, not only is it a name of a company, but Shabby Chic was trademarked as a style and was a very popular style probably in the 90s, I would say. So I came on board at a pivotal part of the company and I worked for the owner and designer of the company, Rachel Ashwell. Um, And at the time, she was really looking to grow the business and uh, not only by licensing her name and, and the line of goods that she had offered, but um, she also wanted to grow stores. So I came on. Soon after that, uh, Target came knocking, and I was really instrumental in helping to grow um, and build a line with Target. And through that, I was able to travel overseas multiple times, oversee production. I also coordinated our photo shoots, um, created our website. It was really a great job for me at a pivotal time in my life. I was in my 20s. I was absorbing everything. Um, I certainly always had innate taste and style, but I didn't didn't ever think that I would be working in the home world um, and focusing on interior design. When you say you didn't think you would, why? It just... Because you're still thinking culinary or you're still thinking... You know, Michael, I don't know that I ever had like a path with which I saw myself going down. Here's the ultimate passion. I'm going to go chase that. Exactly. It was always just like, oh my God, wow, this is cool. I'm really interested in this. And then I sort of followed that. And I would have to say like, I've kind of led my professional life that way. And whether that's a good decision or a bad decision, it's good for you. It's, it's worked for me, and I think it's always really suited my interests at the time. Um, and it's really informed me on kind of like who I am and what I want to be doing with my time and my life, and where I'm sort of like best suited with my. Well, there's a path. I want to take the conversation into something that at least it's interesting to me mm-hmm. because. 
I look at the furniture world. When I have to go buy furniture, we have to. We're we going to do a room. What are we going to do? It's truly torturous for me, and it's torturous not because I don't know what I what I think looks good, but I don't understand the process really. And I look at furniture stores; they're horrible to me. They're horrible. Every part of that business is terrible. Um, and and I'm not picking on one, any brand. If I had it my way, I would just buy every piece of furniture from Costco at this stage. I know the price is going to be right, and I can see it, and then you take it with you or get it delivered right then and there. Versus when I go there to, and I've been to the fancy ones, I've been to the, uh, all the ones that you could think of, because just in my nature, when we were originally doing our home, um, what do you want? It's just, it's torturous. It takes way, way, way too long. Somebody like you shortens that process. Agreed? Yes. So first question from me, and it's mm-hmm. just it's a question. Mm-hmm. I don't normally like, hey, let's just chit-chat. Why does it stink so bad? Why is it such a, a horrible process at furniture stores? Why? I think people feel overwhelmed, and there's such a price tag on these pieces. You know, $7,000 for a sofa or... for a bed. And people are fearful of making the wrong decision when spending that much money. They don't have confidence in their choices. Um, So, you know, they're just nervous. And I understand that. So thankfully, that's where I come in. I did a few years ago, the production offices for Michael B. Jordan out oh, wow. of Warner Brothers. Nice. Um, so I've done Wait, a lot let's of... let's stop there. How <laughs> was that process? Was that fun? That was cool, yeah. How did that come about? Um, I mean, hopefully I can speak about this. It's where years pass, so I'm sure it's fine. But um, I have a friend who happens to be his commercial agent, and she's been a great friend and supporter of mine over the years, and she came Made to... Made the introduction. Yeah, and it was... Just like that. I mean, so easy. I don't even know if they had interviewed other people. Um, but it clicked. Yeah. Now, now initially, I did not meet with him. Okay. I met with his assistant to an empty bay of offices on the Warner Brothers lot. They told me what they wanted, and I said, no problem. You got it. Like, you know, my always say yes. Yeah. That that That's my motto. <laughs> say yes, and you just go for it. Um, Do you try? I, I, I'm going deep on yeah. that. So if somebody's going to make a horrible choice, me as an example, would you try to gently nudge them off of making that horrible oh, choice? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, I have no problem giving you my opinion and hopefully hopefully swaying you yeah. to what I think nudge would be me a off better choice. Pull me back from jumping off that ledge, yeah. Yeah. So with Michael B. So Jordan. Michael, uh, I ended up presenting to him personally, which was, he was great guy, really cool. He, what does that look like? Is that like boards yeah. and you're pitching it with yeah. boards and you're yeah. saying- I came in I mean. with my foam core boards, like I learned old school way. You know, you print out the images of whether it be inspirational photos of right. what a room should look like. Um, you know, he wanted like a whole foliage wall. So, you know, the different plants, what that would look like, uh, the different sofas and rugs and all the different things that I would suggest to him. Um, and it was a go from there. And it was a really cool process. You know, sometimes those kind of things, they need it and they need it right away. Yeah. So. Sure. That's great because it happens fast. What's the shelf life of a production company like that or like him? Does he keep that look? Is it like five years? And then I don't want to say out of style. That's not the right word. But is it like, hey, I need to update this new? Um, I mean, I think that would be a personal choice for him. But I, th- 
I believe how I decorated it would last a long time. And that tends to be my style. Lane. You're yeah. Lane. Um, you and know, he was happy, obviously. Yeah. He was happy. Nice. And um, yeah, I don't like to do things that are so trendy that like you're over it in a year. Uh, so I do try to steer people. And if there are trendy things that you're into, let's work on that in lighting, pillows, accessories. The and reason, those are the less expensive things that can be changed. The reason I ask this is when you deal with entertainment world, mm-hmm. like in cooking, things go in cycles, they go quick, and they, they, they move around quick. And in entertainment, with somebody like we've just chatted about, if you're going to work with somebody who's in production, who's a well-known celebrity or a celebrity type of a human, that, that they're in music as opposed to film or something of that nature, um, you go get a style in their head, you've got to give it to them. And working with people like that is challenging. You're, like I said, you don't get to know Michael B. Jordan first. You get to know the assistants chose you. You're in the final cut. We just want to make sure before we move ahead, he likes what mm-hmm. you're going to do because he may pull the plug and go, you want to do black and blue and or black and gold, UCLA colors. And he hates gold. And he wants <laughs> right. crimson and gold, yeah. you know. Uh, we don't want that, you know. So it's like, so he would change that. But have you worked with lots of celebrities? I don't mean that in a crazy way. I mean, but, um, No, not a ton. But but so the entertainment world is not a sector that you live Not necessarily. In. I Where mean, is your niche? Most of my niche has been in Beverly Hills. I mean, I've done a lot of homes or rooms or offices or spaces within Beverly Hills. And, um, you know, dignitaries within the city and it's uh, it's kind of nice to be known as. Well, you gave critique of our. We're we're, we're in the podcast studio. Yes, I heard he gave my notes. And you gave your <laughs> you gave your thoughts on that. Well, that's kind of the pun- thing with me is I I do try to be respectful and refrain, but I've been known. You know, I, I go to my parents' house. I know how to like you know make the 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 chop in the middle of the pillow. I fluff pillows. My my ten year old son knows how to do that to his pillows. So I liked you know I notice things. Yeah, that would I'm be so, a problem for me. I, I'm someone who noticed not, things. Not because of that, but because of like I still don't get the idea. When I was younger, it's like I don't get the why do I have to make a bed every day again? I'm just gonna get back in and sleep on it, and then I'm gonna wash it next. Whatever it was, I I never got that. It's like uh, I that yeah. I, people are blown away when they come to my house and they see that both my sons' beds are made and they've already gone to school. Yeah. Well, that's how I was with our children too. But I, if you said to me my choice, because I didn't grow up that way, it was like, what? I I don't get this. What's a top sheet for really? Okay. Now, of course you're used to it. You live with it and everything else. And now I see when something's pretty. Yeah. I go to a, a, where were we at just recently? We were in Las Vegas at the Encore Mm -hmm. Hotel. Mm Mm-hmm. And their rooms are very nice. They, 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 they have a masculine look, and at the same point, they have a, a clean look to them. And I like them. You know what I mean? It's just a, it, it kind of feels right. And I always wonder, well, what's the perspective? I wonder how they choose a designer. Do they choose a designer to say, I just want it neutral? I want it professional? I want it a little more leaning on the masculine side as opposed to the, fe- or I want it a little more on the feminine side, or I want it, do I, oh, I, that's kind of interesting. Do you, do you think when you go to like hotel rooms and things, do you, do you look at that? I mean, of course I notice the design and decor of a room, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't overanalyze like, it. Oh, I don't overanalyze it too much, but as you're saying how things are so formal. Are you blown away in a room? Oh, yeah, at, at certainly. Hotels. Yeah, and you and notice are you the details. Underwhelmed in others. Of course, yes, of course. 
But going back to what you're saying about sort of the formality of spaces, I think nowadays with the open concept style of homes and just in living in Southern California, you know, I do a lot of people's homes ranging in age from 20-year-old couples to 70-year-old couples. And I think people just live a lot more casually, uncomfortably. Nobody's looking for, you know, velvet sofas and silk pillows. And it, it, it's not that fancy anymore. At least yeah, that's I what think, I've I think found. society's evolved that way to be everything's less formal. Yeah. Everything's much more eclectic. It's much more. And, and how to acquire that look they need somebody for. Mm-hmm. I'm going to shift this yep. for, again, back to you. Yes. So you grew up in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. as, we, as we talked about earlier. And your parents are still here. What do they do? So my dad was a practicing lawyer. He worked in the Bank of America building on Wilshire and Beverly Drive, the one on the east side of the street that when you look up at the roof of that very tall building, there's all stained glass. It's actually a beautiful building. So Not, I would call one the Donald Sterling Bank America building and then the other Bank America building, right. which is there now, as we know, know it now. Uh, I, I think it's a chase now. Yeah. yeah. I, so it's the kitty corner I, I, one. I met the owner years ago. Really a nice guy. He really runs that building well. Yeah. He does a nice job on that building. And it, it's, it's a... When you look at Beverly Hills on the sort of the underbelly of commercial offices, there's a lot of choices. It's one of the nicer choices, mm-hmm. at least that building. So your dad worked as a lawyer. What so kind my, of lawyer? He did banking and finance. Okay. Good place to be over Bank America. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he had his own firm with a few other partners. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom, but very involved in philanthropy and local charities. Um, She also served on the Fine Arts Commission. Actually, it was a committee before they were commissions because I actually was going through some stuff yesterday and I found her her declaration from the city. So, And is that where you get your interest in being involved? In well, you know, stuff? so I did grow up in a household that was very involved in the community and civic politics. My dad was very close friends with um, a lot of people who were past mayors, and he was, you know, best friends with the Briskmans, Linda Brisman, who's a past mayor, uh, Frank Fenton, Judy Fenton. And so the world with which I grew up in was, you know, right in front of my eyes in terms of local, being involved po- local of politics. local, yeah, exactly. Yeah, local politics. Um, and so, you know, I, I saw that and never sort of saw it as my path. But, uh, you know, lo and behold, well, 30 years later, yeah, you're a kid. You're, so. you're, you're an involved and engaged person. Yes. I know you from Beverly Hills Rotary. Um, and I know you have gotten involved in some of the great things that Beverly Hills Rotary does. And you're, you're just out and about. And does that give you a great deal of fulfillment? I mean, to, to be involved with that? It does. Well, cut to a few years prior to that. I uh, was asked if I might be interested in, well, I did Team Beverly Hills, which a lot of people who listen to this podcast have probably heard of Team Beverly Hills, which is a program through the city where you participate in a few month long program and you learn the ins and outs of all aspects of running the city. Um, I did that program with my husband and we had a great time and really loved it. Is you mentor in that program? Are you mentoring younger people? Or no, no. You're the one getting mentored. Yeah, you to, apply, yeah. and you're chosen, and you're in a class of, let's say, 60 people, and you show up once a month, every month, for seven months, and 
you know, one week you're at the fire department, one week you're at public works, one week you're Police learning. Department. Yeah, and you're like mock commissioners and you're, you know, discussing a project about traffic and parking and you don't even know what the heck By you're the talking way, we about. Had, we had Huma on <laughs> yeah. and we didn't talk about that, but that's Beverly Hills, shh, their big secret agenda is how they learn what the community wants is to get the community involved in programs like this. And I think it's a model for other cities. It really is cool. It is such a great program. I mean, we really loved it. And at that point, I wasn't, I was involved in the PTA and my kids go to schools here. And then someone had asked great. me. Kids, tell yep. me about the kids. Okay, so I have children. a 10-year-old son who's in fifth grade at Horace Mann. His name is Bo. And then Jack, who's 15, and he's a freshman here at Beverly Hills High School. Nice. Yeah. And do they have ambitions? Well, the younger one believes. Known ambitions. Yes, he say. believes he will be a professional soccer player. So we... We're on board with that for as long as that lasts. Crush the we'll see where that jump. goes. And my older son has, you know, interest in tennis. He's going to be on the varsity tennis team as a freshman, so that's nice. pretty exciting for him. And he's pretty driven academically, but in terms of where this will all take him, not sure yet for him. But too young. Yeah, and, and, exactly. And uh, my my incredible wife always says, you know, every parent gets involved with schools. Oh my God, the brand name of the school. There's a right school. For every child, there's a right thing. Just encourage them along. And, and, and I'm just there thing. to support whatever it is. Um, so I was asked if I might be interested in joining a commission with yeah. the city of Beverly Hills. Okay, what commission? Recreation and parks? Uh, sure, okay. Do you I, have to be a resident of Beverly Hills to serve yes. on those? Yes. So, yeah, so that's, that's very important for people to know. It's the residents. It's not necessarily like I don't live in the city of Beverly Hills, but I, I, people would say, well, if you moved to Beverly Hills, we would definitely like you involved. So that's the key for people that are residents. They, they've taken real ownership of the community. That's yes. that's cool. Okay, so I didn't yes. interrupt you. So I now have been on the Recreation and Parks Commission for about four years. Uh, it is now January of 2024, and I'm chair for the second time of the commission uh I've, I've yet to you know hit the gavel on that because we haven't had our january meeting but um where do you meet at the at city yeah hall? we meet nice. in room 280a the commission meeting at city hall and being a commissioner has enhanced my life in a way that i had no idea was even kind of within me. So is there a growth to that? Like you're comfortable on, on this one? Would you like to, to do a different one? or A different you... commission? Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, this who, is who, just, who, yeah, who many people on serve on, commission. yeah, many people serve on multiple commissions. You have to wait a year after you finish your term on one commission in order to apply for another. Oh, interesting. Um, but the city puts out... Um, applications and notifications of vacancies on commissions and depending upon what commissions some are easier to fill and some aren't uh i what would be a tough one to fill well the rent stabilization commission is having a very <laughs> yeah, difficult time actually <laughs> that's uh, a lot of work right now with all the stuff going on and uh, it is but you know what there are fulfilled. so many renters yeah. in the city of beverly hills sure. so you would actually think but that particular... Way, I, Amy, I think that that number is going to get bigger. Yeah. Not because it's lower income. I'm talking about... You're talking about people that rent at real high, high, high numbers, tens of thousands of dollars a month. 
because they're not sure or they don't want to buy something or interest rates or whatever the, the economic reason. But those aren't the people who are sitting on that commission. I, I understand that. But the, the, the point is the numbers of renters yes. of, are, are going to increase across the board from the highest high to the most economical mm -hmm. that somebody could live in. So, But that would be an interesting, fulfilling, but way challenging commission. Yeah, and that particular commission is a balance of uh, you know, landlords, property owners, and renters, yeah. because you really need all sides what's, what's the best one to be on? Well, I mean, right, of course, I'm going to say no recreation one, no and parks. Listen, no one's listening. Right. We always no, no call, hear this. we always call ourselves the fun commission. And when I show up for my mayor's cabinet meetings, and I have to give my lengthy report of this is what's happening at Roxbury Park, and this is what's going on at the library. It's, you know, I'm just reading uh, the social to, let's calendar. Get, let's get to Roxbury Park. I didn't think about this. I love the statues and, and all of the things that they do on the Santa Monica Boulevard. Mm -hmm. Beverly Gardens Park. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think Beverly Gardens, that, that's incredible. How do we get some statues at Roxbury? Well, we have one. Which it's, one? It's in the... Southwest corner. That's why I'm not seeing it. Okay. Right. So, but if you walk the path, you would see it. Um, so we do have that there. So that's that. We're, how do we we're, get more? We can get how, some more. But seriously, how would somebody get one? Well, I'll tell you. It would initially start with the Arts and Culture Commission. Okay. Because they are the commission that reviews art. And then it would come to our commission, Recreation and Parks, if they were proposing that it would go to one of the parks. And then we discuss location, how we feel about it. So we work in tandem with that commission on putting pieces were in the Were you on the commission when the Ringo piece, piece sign yeah. went out? Oh, that's mega cool. Yeah, it's very cool. That's mega cool. My high school classmate plays with him uh, on tour, and uh, I, I saw pictures of him doing, uh, you know, when they dedicated it. That's really cool. Yeah. How did that come about? You know, I don't even know initially because that also went through, I think that might have been like my first year. And that was... That, I wonder if that originates from the artist. Like, hey, I'm Ringo. I'd like to do something for Beverly Hills. Quite I'd possibly. Like to, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that, how, how like from beginning to end, mm -hmm. how does that one come about? Give me some of the other ones. Let's talk about those. What are the fun ones? I can't, I have to think. The fun commissions? No, the fun, no, no, the fun, the fun things in the park there. Like it's funny. I just drove by it earlier today, and I was talking to to Orly, my wife, about look at that tree. That tree is so incredible, right? She was telling me about the, a particular uh, child that she w had worked with. Um, loved that tree and would climb on that tree and still remembers that tree. Fondly. It's like where the lily pond is. Correct. There's a massive oak tree. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So that. What, what else is in there? What other statues are in there? Oh, we have so many statues. Uh, well, we used to have the tulips, which I think are being uh, retrofitted to be put back in the center. I believe it's on the uh, Rodeo Drive uh, portion of the Beverly Gardens Park. We have the Takeaway, which is the Tom Friedman one. That's, I think, on Rodeo and Santa Monica Boulevard. Um there's some incredible, my point is, is there's a lot of incredible, if you just walk the park and you're just walking for exercise, that's one thing. But if you ever look around, you go, wow, that's Well, we cool. actually have docent tours yeah. that are, you can sign up for, whether you're a resident or you're a tourist sure. in the city, and they will walk you through those parks and talk through all those different. It's mega cool. Yeah. People should know that. How would they find that? You can find it on beverlyhills.org, whether it's through 
the front on our main page, there's a calendar of events. So I believe it happens at least once a month. Um, or you can go under the Arts and Culture Commission. It should be under there as well. And, and speaking of events at the parks, I used to like those the arts and crafts fairs. That comes under the umbrella of the commission? That's ours. And we just had mm. our 50th year in 2023. How often do those? Twice a year? Twice a year. And so in May and October. May and October. Okay. And they kind of were a little bit, you know, dialed down a bit well, through COVID. COVID got in the way. But now it's like robust and back full steam. I mean, we're four blocks, four full blocks along there. Uh, food trucks, arts and crafts for kids. Um, this past one in October. And it's serious, cool stuff. So, oh, you know, yeah. Like from you, we're talking about design coming on back. I mean, it's all, it's all kinds of mediums, you yeah. know, incredible photography, yeah. uh, sculptures, whether it be glass, metal. Right. Um, I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the things, but I was going to say, we did a really cool thing this last October in that we had a booth for our students, uh, BHUSD, booth where the kids could come and display their art, which I thought that was really neat, you know, because we're always trying to find ways to and connect the city. And you find talent that you had no idea yeah. was there if yeah. it just gets exposed in the right place. I love the events that we have that are those festival-y types of things. I like the Father's Day car show. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a nice destination. I'm not buying any of the food or anything else, and I'm certainly not buying a car. What am I going to do with one of these great cars? But I'd love to look at them. I think it's awesome. I like those uh, it's just it's a fun day to get out and walk around and be around people in the community. And sometimes you'll see celebrities. Sometimes you'll see just anybody and everybody that in, in our community and from around. And it's a neat event. So that's yeah. kind of a cool thing. How yeah. is that? Is is are they out of space for that? I mean, because I know it's like for art. Yeah, I don't think so. For the craft shows. Oh no, I mean. I think that they feel comfortable with where it's at on the four, four blocks. Yeah. Um, we get a lot of, we get at least 70 artists um, from all over the country. And it's a huge draw, a huge draw. How many people do you think come each time? I'd say like 200,000 or something. Oh, oh wow. it's huge. I was going to guess 20 to 30. Oh, no, 000. no. I mean, we get a lot of people. Wow. A lot of people who come in. And then, you know, something that's become very popular for us is this Doggy Days 90210, which we've done for a few years over at Roxbury Park. And it's just a full day of fun, pet, even cat, feline. You know, we have booths from veterinarians to dog food to pet care. We do... Um, you know, dog shows, and then you've got frisbee flying dog. I mean, it, it's, it's so fun. Well, that's what people, people come and people dress need up their to dogs. really look at BeverlyHills.org because, like, when you say that, my mind goes to, what do I really like? What's my of all of them? What's my favorite? I kind of like the farmers market thing, mm -hmm. and it's kind of shrunk a little. I'd like to see it get back to be a little bit bigger. I know that's not a Parks and Rec thing. At least I don't think it is. It is. Oh, it is. Mm -hmm. Okay, because that. Work on that. Get okay. that back. Get that bigger again, because that's a cool way to get out and see people on Sundays. And it, it's you know, buy some fruit, buy some this. Who, who's selling? You know, Amy's not selling the granola there yet. No, but. but but my point would be like there was a person that was doing cookies that were pretty good. I I stopped by because I was on my way to a game at USC, and it was 
it was in the winter, and I just remember, oh, I need something to take for the holidays for people. Let me just grab some of these, and they, everybody loved them. It was it was really yeah. Nice. I mean, we have our petting zoo every weekend, which I know a lot of families come out there for, and I think we've really taken our farmers market and been able to build some really great events throughout the year um, that have been whether it's the cookie decorating contest or pumpkin carving contest. So it's any age. And any, you know, you yeah, can be a resident or not. Communal. It's very, yeah, very it cool. Is. It is. It's very, very cool. I have a suggestion. Yes. It'll tie sort of this whole visit with you together. We need to get these great kids from Beverly Hills High School in their culinary section to actually set up. We have done a cook-off. And we've talked about that before where you give – it's kind of like a chop. So you give them a certain dollar amount. They yep. shop the market. They buy ingredients from there, and they have an hour. And they did something last year where essentially they put together a culinary a, – a, like, like a charcuterie to, board. That's perfect. Yeah. I'd like them to buy all the material. Yeah. From Sean Saidian's Beverly Hills Market because <laughs> he's, he's a sponsor of the podcast the and best. he is the best human. Yeah, that you everybody should aspire to be more like Sean. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. Is there is something like that coming? Um, hopefully, I know we did it last year, so oftentimes it's just really successful. cool. And that yeah. you and I both have done career days here, as a, a, and the fun thing is when they bring you in, that the culinary they're showing them off, and they have culinary stations for breakfast, and and, and it's like. Wow, these kids are really... Well, that is one of the most popular programs at this high school. And my son is actually doing it this year. And he's really taken to cooking. Yeah. I mean, I, as you know, I cook. So they see cooking a lot in the home and they've learned a lot from me. But now my 15-year-old cooks for us one night a week. And it's great. The world's changed. I love it. From me in junior high school when my my friend could... You taught us how to make cake. That was a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it's neat because when you come to Beverly for open house before, you know, your kid comes to school here, they have a, a whole thing set up there. You get to try the Built-in catering. It's awesome. And they're really good. And yeah. they take such pride, these kids. They love it. I mean, like I said, it really is. It's like the hardest elective, I think, to get into. Yeah, well, that's that's good because yeah. it means you're serious about it. So while we sort of wrap, wrap up a mm-hmm. little, I ask people some fun questions. Yeah. Um Life turning out like you thought it should, better, worse? How is that going from when you were a little kid? Well, life was pretty great then, and it's pretty great now. That's awesome. Yeah. Right? That's awesome. So the answer to that is You know, it's funny you asked me that. I was somewhere today, and a gentleman who was working with me said, oh, I also do astrology, and I told him I'm about to turn 50 in about two weeks. You just and told the world that, by the way. That's fine. I'm yeah. very comfortable like with it. Don't care. Here's what it is. And he said, you're an Aquarius. And he said, you know, the next 20 years are going to be really great for you and changing. And I said, well, I'm pretty happy with how things are. So that's great. Yeah. It's good news. <laughs> good. Exactly. And um, I appreciate that. And I thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you for having uh, me. You, you'll look at your watch and you go, wow, we just talked for how long? <laughs> I mean, and it's fun. And, you know, it, it it's a great thing. We'll let you know when it's going to come out. Thank you. Know? you. Um, and I thank you so much for doing it. Thank you for what you do for the city. Thank you for the service on the on the commission. Thank you for being a member of the Rotarian. Thank you for being a pal, you know, and hanging My out. Pleasure. And And it's all good. Is there anything you'd like to say? No, I just want to thank you for giving me the opportunity of being here. And like I mentioned, it's all these wonderful things in my life, whether it's being a recreation and parks commissioner or a Rotarian or a designer. 
and also a granola maker. The only reason you're here is because you said you listened to the podcast. No, no, I'm kidding. Oh, I do love it. So, um, but, you know, this is such a great city, and I love that you have taken it upon yourself to call in people to really share what makes it so great. And whether you are from here or you've adopted yeah, this you as a here? city. Yeah. How'd you get here? It's it's a wonderful place to be. Yeah. And I know that there are even greater things to come for us. Yeah, and as I as I say, it's like, you know, people should just be kind and be good humans. Yeah. And uh, I know you're one of the good humans. So Amy, thank you very much again. And we'll talk to you soon. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the Mostly Banter podcast. Big thanks to KBEV Studios for hosting us and our executive producer, Colby Gallardian, for making this episode possible. I'm Michael Moline. See you next time.